This amazes me. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Jude. Jude is the second to the last book of the Bible, uh, right before Revelation. Uh, Jude is only one chapter long, uh, but a powerful, powerful book. And we'll be in verses 5 through 7 here in just a second. What I want us to do today and throughout the entire summer is to walk through a series called Life After Death. What happens when people die? Not everybody goes to heaven and not everybody goes to hell. In fact, that's the only two destinations that you will either go to, either heaven or hell. It's as simple as that and it's based off your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know the Lord as your Savior. You've repented of your sins. You invited Him to be your Lord and Savior. You go to heaven. If you have not made that decision when you die, you go to hell. But there are so many other questions about what happens after death. And there's not going to be... Uh, I want to answer all of those. Uh, even as a pastor, there are things that we don't know what happens uh, after death. That's why we believe, after, uh, we believe in, 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 our, in, in God. We have our faith in God. We trust Him. Uh, but He's given us the basics. And He's given us to know what happens and the hope that we can have after we die. This morning I want us to read, if you will, in the book of Jude, verses 5 through 7. And the scripture says, But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. In, in this series, Life After Death, I want us to look at this morning three types of people that are in hell. Now you look at that title, and I even, I even hesitated to, 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 to call it that title. I realize that everybody today, or everybody that will die and go to hell, is because they're lost. And it's because they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So when you look at this title, three different types of people that are in hell, they all are under the umbrella that they're lost. They're all under the umbrella that they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. So I want us to look at it from that type of an angle. And Jude gives us some examples. And these are not examples to be preached to those that are lost. These are examples, even as Jude teaches, that are, that are, that are to be taught to the church. In fact, the whole purpose of the book of Jude is in verse number 3. Here's the, the whole purpose of the book. He says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Verse 4 says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of the book of Jude in my angle this morning is to the church because that's the context of Jude as a reminder to know what you believe, to know that Jesus Christ is your Savior so that when people come in who are teaching falsely, you can defend for the faith. Let me give you a couple of examples of, of beliefs today 
that people hold and that denominations hold, uh, and, and, and not necessarily denominations, but cults in generally hold this concerning the end times and specifically to hell. One of them is the belief that's called annihilationism. Annihilationism is a belief that is taught uh, among uh, Jehovah's Witness. I like to call them Jehovah's False Witness because that's what they are. Uh, Seventh-day Adventists teach this, that when you die, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're pretty much just wiped out. That you are annihilated. That there's really no life after death. It teaches that unbelievers are not punished eternally after death. Annihilationism does not teach in a place called hell when people die without Jesus. They are annihilated so that they simply cease to exist. Another belief that is out there today, not as prominent, but it's called universalism. This is one that's going to grow and grow, not necessarily in, in uh, aspects like Jehovah's Witness or Seventh-day Adventist, but you're going to see this more and more and more in the evangelical society. This is where you believe that everybody's good, that God is good, that God is loving. He would not condemn anyone to a place of eternal punishment, specifically hell. So in the end, everybody will be saved, even non-Christians, because all roads eventually lead to God and lead to heaven. Now, you may have never heard of universalism, but you've heard of the definition. All roads lead to heaven. We all worship the same God. Whether you're Baptist or Methodist or Muslim or Buddhist, we all worship the same God. That is false. And that's not the truth of the Word of God. So as you begin to think about this, Jude understood that 2,000 years ago, and it's so prevalent today that as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is an eternal place called hell that Jesus taught and the Bible taught. And for those that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they will spend eternity in a place called hell. It's unpopular today, but the Word never changes. People change. And their mind changes, but God's Word never changes. So let me give you a couple of examples this morning from our text uh, about three types of people that are in hell today. Let's look at the first one. And notice what he says here in verse 5. As Jude is writing, to he says, I want to remind you. He says, you know this. These are three biblical examples from the Old Testament. Verse 5 is 1, verse 6 is 1, verse 7 is 1. He says, I want to remind you of what happens to people that do not follow God's way. The first group, the Bible says, I want to remind you, verse 5, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now you understand, I hope, where that story comes from. That's the children of Israel who were saved from the land of Egypt and were called to go to the promised land. The first group that is in hell today are those that rebel against the will of God. Those that rebel against the will of God. Now I want to say this because I don't want you to put words in my mouth or read into this more than, than I want you to read. In verse number 5, 6, and 7, these are illustrations that the text is teaching. Jude is not, necess not necessarily saying that all those who left Egypt are in hell today. And the reason why we know that is this, is because people don't go to hell in groups. People go to hell individually. Somebody might ask you, Brother John, do, do, uh, do Mormons go to heaven? Brother John, do Jehovah's Witness go to heaven? Brother John, do Methodists go to heaven? Do Baptists go to heaven? And the answer to this is that you don't go to heaven in groups. 
whether you believe in, in Baptist or Jehovah's Witness or whatever belief you may be in, or whether you were called out of Egypt, your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is the entrance into heaven. Now, if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that teaching of the Word of God will cause you to believe what you believe and some things you cannot believe if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what what the example is here in verse 5 is that the children of Israel, they rebelled against the will of God. And it's an illustration that Judah is trying to teach the church is to be careful that there are those who are coming in who do not follow God's will or the will of God. Israel's apostasy stands as a a warning to all those who think that just being saved or just being called out of a place of sin secures their future destiny without ongoing obedience. A lot of people want to be saved, but a lot of people don't want to have the fruit of salvation. And you can't have genuine salvation unless there's fruit that follows. And that's what I believe Jesus, what Jude is trying to teach here in this passage. Going back to the Old Testament and, and the, the, the children of Israel who are called out of the land of Egypt. They wander around in the wilderness for over 40 years. They are called, the will of God is to send them to the promised land. To send them to a place where there is a land flowing with milk and honey. So they have 12 spies to go out and to, to, to look at the land. This is in Numbers chapter 14. Each one of the 12 tribes of Israel, they go and they look at the land and they, they see the land and the report comes back like this. Ten of them says, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Yes, it is a very prosperous land, but there are giants in that land. In fact, the Bible says we even look like grasshoppers in their sight. We do not want to go in there. In fact, they said later on in the text, we'd rather go back to Egypt where we were slaves. They rebelled against God's will for their life, which was to go into a land of promise and to leave a life of slavery, which was in Egypt. Two of them come back, Joshua and Caleb said, yeah. It's going to be tough. Yeah, there's giants in the land. But that's where the Lord wants us to go. And we can do it with God's help. Because of their disobedience, that generation all died, never having seen the promised land, Moses included. Joshua and Caleb were the only two from that generation who went into the promised land and enjoyed God's will for their life. Remember, I told you, nobody goes to hell or heaven in groups. And you can look at this text and say, well, everybody in that generation was destroyed and they're all in hell today. That's hard to tell. And that's hard to clarify. But one thing I do know about those who die and go to hell are those who rebel against the will of God. Those who rebel against God's will for your life. Now, Brother John, you say, Brother John, what what is God's will for my life? What What is God's will for me? The Bible teaches that, yes, God is love. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ, John 3, 16, died for all of the world. The Bible teaches that God commended His love toward us and that while we were sinners, He died for us. The Bible teaches in 2 Peter 3, 9 that He is not slack concerning His promise, but is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That is the will of God for every person in this world is to die and go to heaven and to worship Him forever and ever and ever. That is God's will for your life. And those people that choose to rebel against God's will, those are the ones who will die and spend eternity in hell. Every person in hell today had an opportunity to turn and trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and say, I believe that with all my heart. 
Sir Brother John, what about those in the remote villages of Africa? What about those that, that have never heard the gospel? It's our job, number one, as missionaries and as believers to teach and to preach the word of God. But the Bible also says in Romans chapter 1 that all men are without excuse. That you can look up and look in the skies and see that there has to be a creator. There has to be someone who has organized everything together. It's God's will for every person to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And may the example of the Old Testament Israelites who rebelled against God's will, there may be some here today that may have been blessed like the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel had food by day. They had food, water. They had everything that God wanted to give them. God gave them. They had it all. They had miracles. They saw the Red Sea. They saw the Jordan River. They were saved from a life of slavery in Egypt. Yet they rebelled against God. I look at the nation of Israel and I look at the church today. There's many people in the church today. I'm talking about the, the building, not necessarily the church, but the building. There are those who have been blessed immeasurably. There are those who can quote the hymn book. There are those who can quote the Bible. There are those who have perfect attendance in Sunday school for 50 years. There are those who have all the awards for Bible school and, 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 and different things, different activities. There are those who serve. There are those who may have been deacons. There are those who may have stood behind pulpits and preached God's Word. But it's all if, if, if it's not a relationship with Christ, folks, those are the ones who will die and go to hell. See, it's not what you do on the, on the outside, it's what you do on the inside that matters. And you may be here today, and God's will for your life is to be saved, and you're rebelling against it. You're rejecting it. Even though you're in church, even though you sang the songs, even though you may pray the prayers, if you reject and rebel against God's will, you too will be in hell when you die. But that's not God's plan for your life. God's will for you. He loved you enough that He died for you. He wants you to respond to Jesus. But the second group is this. Not only did they rebel against the Word of God, but the second group is this. Down in verse number 6, the text teaches, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, He has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of that great day. Not only did they rebel against the, the will of God, but the second group teaches that they rebelled against the worship of God. Now, verse number 6 is not talking about humans. It's talking about angels, which is an interesting text, angels in general. Look at what the Scripture says. The angels who are created beings, there's only one Creator, that's our Lord. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain what they're supposed to do, which is to worship around the throne of God. They left their own abode. The Bible says He has reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of that great day. What in the world is this talking about? There's a group of angels that are awaiting the judgment of God, eternal judgment. And they too will spend eternity in hell, just like those who, don't, who do not respond to the will of God. They rebel against the will of God. This verse is teaching about Lucifer. This verse is teaching about all those who fell from heaven. I believe the Scripture teaches from Genesis 1 and verses 1-1 and 1-2 that the Lucifer fell from heaven along with a third of the angels. You can go back and read Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28, or both the two texts in the Old Testament that teach the fall of Satan. How Satan was an anointed angel. 
He was one who was very musically um, uh, gifted. He was one who, who, who had many times a beautiful angel, the Bible says. Yet he wanted the worship that God had. He wanted on the throne. He wanted to be like God. He and his pride and his selfishness, he desired to take God away from the throne and for him to sit on the throne and to people to come and to worship him. In fact, the Bible says that he had a third of the angels that had followed him. Well, there's only one person on the throne. God is not going to be one who's going to be challenged by anybody, whether they are human or whether they're an angel. So God kicked them out of heaven. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 25 that hell was created for the devil and his angels. That's Lucifer. That's Satan who's called the the destroyer. And the angels that fell are in hell. They are in a place of judgment. They are in a place of torment that even will be for the rest of their life. They still work today. They are still active in our in lives today. They are still active trying to destroy the church. But the Bible says that they are under darkness for the judgment of that great day. Ultimately, they will be in the lake of fire, which is a place called hell. Torment. It's described in Matthew 25, like I said, for the devil and his angels. The Bible says that they rebelled against the worship of God. Like I said in verse number 5, verse number 6, Jude is writing as an example to the church, that there's only one God. There's only one person that we worship, and that's God and God alone. Satan was the first one who followed idolatry. It was himself that he wanted to lift up and to put on the throne of God. And the the challenge and the warning for the church today is that there's no idols, no idolatry in our life. And it's also a challenge that if there are idols in our life and there's no sign of repentance, that we are just as guilty as Lucifer and the devil and his angels because of this form of idol. They rebelled against the worship of God. Reminded of a story by a little girl who had a birthday party. She was going to be five years old. And the mother wanted to impress the relatives that were coming. So she told her daughter, we want you to sing a song when everybody comes. So everybody gathered together and, and the little girl, the mom said, now, honey, you were supposed to do something, weren't you? And the little girl said, what, mama? She said, weren't you supposed to sing? The little girl said, nope. And the mama reached down and pinched her own arm a little bit. She said, weren't you supposed to sing? The little girl said, nope. So the mama got angry and she took the little girl by the hand and walked her up to her room and closed her door and said, I need you to sit there for a little bit. Walked back down, had the party again, went back up 20, 30 minutes later and asked the little girl, she said, do you, I mean, asked, the little, asked her daughter, she said, do you know why you're up here? The little girl said, I'm having the time of my life. I, I've spit on my wall. I have spit on my clothes. I have spit all over my bed and I'm just waiting for some more spit so I can spit some more. You know, that's exactly what sin is. All sin is, is just waiting for some more spit. It's just something that continues and continues and continues and continues and continues. That's why I said uh, it doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter what you belong to. What matters is in your heart. And if there's sin that is unconfessed, if there is sin, if there is idolatry that is in your life, it just continues and continues. It's like a snowball effect that continues to go down. 
Verse number 6 is an example of those who rebelled against the worship of God. And hell is reserved to those who would rather be on the throne than God. And then the last group is this. Not only did they rebel against the will of God, not only did they rebel against the worship of God, but verse number 7 teaches that they rebelled against the Word of God. This group rebelled against the Word of God. Verse 7 says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and their cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, there's the key word, as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That's the third group in a row, or third uh, text in a row, where we have talked about verse 5, he used the word destroy those who did not believe. Verse 6 says, in the darkness to the judgment of that great day. Verse 7 says, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Judah's trying to get this point across to the church that there are people today who will die and go to hell. Those who rebel against God's word, those who rebel against God's worship, and those who rebel against God's will. Verse 7 is an interesting text. You can go back to Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19 and read the story about the fall of these two cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. Totally wiped off the face of the earth. People today don't even know where Sodom and Gomorrah is. There are speculations and rightly so, but God destroyed them because of their immorality and because of their sin. Because they rebelled against what the Word of God says. Let me give you a couple of uh, 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 definitions of some of these words that are, being, that are being talked about in here. The Bible says they have given themselves. That's in the middle of verse number 7. They have given themselves over to sexual immorality. That means to indulge in excessive immorality. This was their way of life. This was not some one night stand that somebody had a mistake on. This is a way of life, a habitual lifestyle of rebellion against the Word of God. The Bible says that they went after strange flesh or different flesh. Their life was constantly downward, indulging in unnatural acts. The two acts that are taught in Genesis 18 and 19 one of those is being that of homosexuality and the other one is being bestiality where someone has a, a immoral lifestyle with an animal. The Bible says that they were set forth. The Scripture says they set forth as an example which means that they exposed it openly in public view. There was no shame in that. All they wanted to do was to do this act of immorality and they didn't care if people saw it or not. In fact, this was something they didn't do behind closed doors. This was things they did out in public view that they totally rebelled against God's Word. Like I said, Genesis 18 and 19 teach this. Also, you can't read Genesis 18 and 19 without seeing the patience and loving, loving kindness that God had towards Sodom and Gomorrah, giving them opportunity and opportunity and opportunity to repent before God ultimately destroyed them. This brings up a very hot topic in today's society, and that's the issue of homosexuality. And even more today, that of transgender and things of that nature. I remember two years ago when our Supreme Court passed 
homosexual marriage. I knew in my heart that may be fine and dandy for some, but that's just the small inkling of where we're going to be sooner or later. I knew sooner or later it was going to be the bathroom issues like we're facing today. It's soon coming that then bestiality will soon follow. That's where, Brother John, I don't know how in the world would a human being want to have any type of relationship with an animal. I don't know, but it's coming. Here's the reason why. When you open up this can, there is no satisfaction. Sin never satisfies. And when you go against and rebel against God's Word and rebel against God's plan for marriage, whether it be to another man or to an animal, it will soon come when somebody desires to marry their house. That is very humorous today, but it's soon coming. Because there's no, there, the, the, the depth of depravity is endless. And that's why as a church today, we must be willing not only to embrace this conversation because it is very biblical. Number two, we should not run from that because these are people who are searching for something. Something that they could not find in the normal way of life, so they decide to go somewhere else. And all it is is a heart that is sinful, that needs to be revived, that needs to be repented of their sin, and they need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Instead, they're looking in a different direction. Brother John, is homosexuality a sin? Absolutely, but it's not the unpardonable sin. And I believe that's something the church today needs to understand. That homosexuality is not the unpardonable sin. That those who are in a homosexual lifestyle can be saved and they can be forgiven of what they've done and what they are in. Maybe you're here today and you're in that type of a lifestyle or, or that temptation may be in your life. Maybe you're, you're a, a teenager or a man and you're thinking about the, the transgender and all those other things. The only answer to what you are searching for is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because although it may be uh, a homosexual, it will always end bad. It will always end in sin. It never satisfies permanently only a relationship with Jesus. But for those who today who are not in homosexuality, please understand that someone else's sin is not greater than your sin. That sin is sin in God's eyes. And although we may look at homosexuality and we say, how in the world could somebody do that? The same way you in your own life and you choose the sin that you have. Your sin may be pornography, it may be uh, adultery, it may be idolatry, it may be something like that. But just as you need to run to the cross for, for forgiveness, so do all those who may be transgender, all those who may be of homosexuality or lesbian or gay or whatever the case may be. They need to run to the cross. And I pray as long as First Baptist Church has their doors opens, open, that the world may know whether you may be listening by radio or watching by television. If you're in this type of a lifestyle and are tempted in that lifestyle, you can come to First Baptist Church and hear the Word of God and somehow give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. We will open you with open arms. We will welcome you with open arms to know that you can have a relationship with Jesus and we want to share the truth of the Word of God because we love you because God loves you. And we want you to be a part of that. But it's a sin that must be repented of. Just like we in our own life have sins that we must repent of. Verse 7 is an example of Sodom and Gomorrah and how God destroyed the city because of their immorality. If someone is in a homosexual lifestyle, and it's a habit, it's a lifestyle, 
and they never repent of their sin, they will die and they will go to hell. Just like somebody else who's living in sin and they never repent and it's a habit, it's a habitual lifestyle, they will die and they will go to hell. Why? Because they rebelled against the Word of God. They rebelled against the Word of God. How do you know that homosexuality is a sin? Not only does the Bible teach it, Romans chapter 1 is a good text to start, because homosexuality never satisfies. There's no end to it. And that's a lifestyle that is rebelled against God's Word. So today there are three types in hell. There are those who rebel against God's will. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus Christ loved you enough that He willingly gave His life. And His will for your life is for you to be saved. And if you keep rejecting God, soon your day will end and you don't know when that will be. You too will be in a place called hell. But it's your choice. It's your desire if you rebel against God's will. So I encourage you this morning, give your life to the Lord Jesus. You may be here this morning and you're rebelling against the worship of God. You may be one like some in our world who say, you know what, I don't need God. I don't need to follow Him. I don't need Him. I'm okay. I'm cool. I'm a good person. I don't need forgiveness. I, I, everything's cool in my life. What you're saying is, is you're rebelling against God's worship. God alone is God. Not me, not you, not anybody else in this world. And if you're here today and selfishness has creeped in, would you respond to God? He knows what's better for your life than you do. He wants to save you today. And then there may be those, number three, those who rebel against God's Word. God's Word simply says this, that those who die with Jesus spend eternity in heaven. Those who die without Jesus spend eternity in hell. Do not rebel against God's Word. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning as we pray, God, each of us would search our hearts just like Jude was asking the church to do. As a warning to defend our faith. To know what we believe. And to not let those creep in who teach a false doctrine. It's also reminded the church today to be faithful in our witness. It's our job to share the gospel to those who are in rebellion. So Father, may this text challenge us as the church to know that hell is real, Satan is real, and that his desire is to destroy Christians and to destroy church and to make hell as big as possible. Father, may we never apologize for standing up for the truth, but instead teach the truth in love. 
God, I ask this morning if there's somebody in the sound of my voice who today, through the text, Lord, they're convicted of their sins and You're leading them to a relationship with You. God, I ask today they would come. They would step out from their pew, step out from the balcony, and they would come down and say, Brother John, I want to know what it means to be saved. I want to respond to God's will, to His worship, and I want to respond to His Word. Today, I want to make sure I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven and my sins have been forgiven. I want that assurance today. So Lord, I pray if there's someone here today, Lord, that's their prayer. God, you would live, you'd let them come. God, you'd give them the courage to come down this morning. Or there may be others who need to make other decisions. Lord, they can come and make those here in just a moment as well. We ask all these things in your precious name.